of Christ have spent some time discussing the mission of the Lord's Church, and in our conversations and in our discussions, we wanted to present that mission in the most simplest, in the simplest, because most simplest is not good grammar, in the simplest of terms. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to focus on four terms, and each one of our ministers is going to present a lesson based on those terms. We believe that you can summarize the mission of the Lord's Church with the terms glorify, edify, testify, and unify. Tonight, Brother Mingu Chang is going to be delivering a lesson to us on the topic or on the word glorify. Next week, Jay Hall will be presenting our lesson on the term edify. On February 28th, Ben Hogan will present a lesson on the term testify. And then on March 7th, I'll conclude the series by presenting a lesson on testify. Again, the objective of this series is to investigate what the Bible says about the mission of the Lord's church and to put it in the simplest of terms so that we all can understand it and we can all communicate it. And we hope these four terms will uh, be easy for you to remember and easy for you uh, to apply in your own life. And without any further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Brother Mingu Ching to lead us in our first lesson of this series. I'm not so nervous. <laughs> I thought I would be very nervous, but I'm not so nervous. I'm glad with that. Um, so my sermon will be about how to glorify God, but I'm sure that you already know and uh, you are already doing it very well. But what I would like to do is to emphasize it and uh, explain some more uh, things that I noticed from the Bible about that topic. Uh, first thing we need to do is to define the word, uh, what is to glorify God? What is to glorify God? Oh, by the way, uh, let me uh, introduce some of our friends, Korean friends who came tonight uh, to encourage me doing this. There are several uh, Korean visitors here, here and there. Thank you for coming, and please, uh, our brothers and sisters, uh, uh, welcome them and you know, uh, have chance to know them. Okay, um, I think uh, I found Psalm 19. I mean, 96 verses 9, 1 through 9, gives us a very good idea of the definition of uh, glorifying God. So let me read uh, Psalm 96, verses 1 through 9. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless 
idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. So this gives us the idea of what uh, glorifying God is. Um, even according to the word study, uh, glorifying, uh, it means praising and honoring God, extolling God's name, and thanksgiving uh, for what he has done. So that's very simple. So basically what we always try to do is all uh, glorifying God. So tonight I would like to talk about uh, how, how we glorify God and also how we have to uh, glorify God. Obviously, by our worship, we glorify God. So the worship is the uh, primary way for us to glorify God. Our worship is to uh, glorify, glorify him, and that is the sole purpose of our worship. And we find the model of worship, as you well know, Revelation chapter 4, uh, verses 8 through 11. If I read it, the four living creatures, day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to God, who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him and worship him. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Obviously, worship is just to glorify God. I mean, solely uh, to glorify God. So our worship is the way that we glorify God. However, worship is not the only way for us, God's people, to glorify him. Worship is a way to glorify God among ourselves as God's people. As well as by the worship, we as God's people glorify God by doing this thing. We have to let people see the light that we receive from God. In other words, we have to let people see our good works and we have to let them give glory to God. This idea is found in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus really emphasized this in Matthew chapter 5. 
you know, verse, verses 14 through 16 that uh, Daniel read. But let me read just uh, the one verse, uh, verse 16. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I'm not talking about other peoples who are not God's people yet uh, giving glory to God. I'm talking about our giving glory to God by this. We have to do good works so that people may see us or people may see God through us and they may give glory to God. I think that is very, very glorious thing to God. It's like parents. You know? It's like parents who have children. And when the children do good in their you know, uh, life, people see them, and people see the parents through them and give glory to their parents. That is glorious thing. That is really amazing thing to uh, experience. So that is the thing. Uh, another thing that we have to do and we have to uh, be able to accomplish in our lives to glorify God. So therefore, we glorify God basically in two ways, by our worship and also by our everyday lives. As I mentioned already, worship is our uh, glorifying God among ourselves, ourselves, among God's people, whereas our life, our Christian life, our uh, godly life should be glorifying God also. So today, I would like to talk about the uh, two ways by which we glorify God. And then I would like to talk about the relation between the two ways. I think that gives us uh, great implications and that uh, gives us uh, a great lesson too that we have to learn. So through this sermon, I would like to uh, you know, accomplish these things. Uh, I would like to remind ourselves of what we should never forget or fail to continue for our worship, for our worship to be pleasing to God. And I would like to encourage us to be true to the word of God as we are going to do, are going to go and do in this year. Let me talk about worship first. Um, I found Psalm uh, 95 Verses 1 through 6 gives us a good picture of what worship is. So let me read Psalm 95, verses 1 through 6. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depth of the earth, the heights 
of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. So this is the uh, picture that we get. And from this picture, uh, we, we can see uh, two things here. Worship is a celebration of God, uh, of God's people. And it's in the assembly, in the assembly of God's people. And it is to glorify God. Purpose is to glorify God. So it is uh, worship is a church's corporate celebration of God. So the togetherness is very important in the concept of worship. Uh, gathering together as an assembly, as the church, is an essential element of worship here. In the psalm, we can read that by, I mean, from the words, let us, let us, let us. Come, let us do this, let us do this. It's not about individual. It's all, it's all assembly of God, assembly of people of God. So, unless the circumstance doesn't allow, we as God's people, have to gather together to worship him. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses 24 and 25 says this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So obviously, the Bible, the scripture, encourages, encourages us to get together. So the togetherness of God's people is important for worship. But the togetherness is not merely a spatial intimacy, but more importantly, a spiritual oneness. So we all, the worshipers, have to be in one body with one head that is in unity and harmony, as Romans chapter 15, verse 6 says, bound by love, by, uh, love of God and by love of one another. Because that is spiritual oneness, that is unity. Romans chapter 15, verses 5 through 7 gives us that idea very clearly. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So, worship, truly 
glorifying God requires unity. Unity of the worshipers. It, in this regard, togetherness is a reflection of the unity. Therefore, without the unity, worship may not be glorifying God. If we are, if we are indifferent, apathetic, and even divided in mind, even if we gather together in one place at one time, our worship is dishonoring God and profaning his name. So the unity, the spiritual togetherness, is the essential quality of worship for our worship to be glorifying God. The only thing that can bind all different individuals into such a quality of worship is love. We can appreciate so Lord's commandment in this light to love one another as I have loved you. Only love can bind all of us together into the unity which is necessary for our worship to be glorifying God. Jesus also instructed regarding worship that we have to have that love among us that our worship should be glorifying God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Without love, without being bound by the love, I will not receive your worship. Go first and be bound by the love and come worship me. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what God is saying. Jesus is saying God was, God said. So that's really important. Our unity by love, our harmony by love, the spiritual togetherness by love is the necessary, essential quality of our worship that it can glorify God as it should. Let's talk about our congregation for a moment. We are multiracial, multicultural, and multi-ethnic. Obviously, I'm, a, I'm not a, yeah. I, I'm the evidence, multi-ethnic congregation. We have many physical, social, even political differences among ourselves. Yet we come together, gather together, and worship together. 
in unity. I think that's great, immense, and that's huge, and that's amazing. That glorifies God. Our unity, our worship in unity, really, truly glorifies God. I am really a, a proud of our service. I'm really thankful for our congregation because of that. So, um, we should not stop this. Rather, we have to do more, do better, and try to do, uh, try to, uh, you know, improve our, you know, unity among ourselves better. As we do, I know, I believe, you know, I know, I believe that our elders are all for it. Nobody is against it. You, know, you, sh- you should be proud of the elders here and the ministers, leaders here, and yourself too. You endure differences. You forbear the you know, differences that you meet. But with love, by love, you gather together and worship together and mingle together and do together all things that we have to do, like go and do. That's glorifying God. However, worship alone cannot glorify God. I mean, worship alone cannot glorify God. I mean, I thought, should I put fully here? So is this statement, uh, isn't, isn't this statement too broad or you know, uh, too general? But I think it is right. Worship alone cannot glorify God. Let me tell you the reason. Like we read in Matthew chapter 5, verses uh, 14 through 16, we, as God's people, also have to let others see God through us and give glory to God. That is another thing that we have to do, that we have to accomplish in our lives so that our worship glorifies God. So without that, our worship may not be glorifying God as we think, as we may think. So let's read uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses uh, 14 through 16 again. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. But as I said, as I said earlier, I'm not talking about their glorifying God, but I'm talking about our glorifying God. So our glorifying God should be should include this. We have to let 
other people see us and see good works that we do and give glory to uh, give glory to God. That is another way that we have uh, we have to do to glorify God. So that is uh, doing good works, doing the good works that God gave us, that, that God commanded us, that God assigned us to do. In other words, it's living as an obedient child of God according to his will. Jesus himself did this. He glorified God by doing the work God gave him to do. John chapter 17, verse 4 says, I, Jesus, glorified you, God, on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So doing, accomplishing the work God gave us to do is necessary for us to glorify God. Discarding it or dismissing it or forgetting it, we cannot glorify God. And also he commands, I mean Jesus commanded his disciples about this. John chapter 15 verse 8 says, by this, my Father is glorified. Jesus is saying to his disciples, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So you have to bear fruit, even much fruit. And that will glorify my Father who is in heaven. So here, bearing fruit obviously means doing good works, doing the works that we have to do, we, as God's people, have to do. So apostles emphasize this thing again. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11 in this verse, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, as each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Not only Peter, but also Paul said this to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them doing the works doing the good works that God assigned his people to do it's necessary. Without it, we may, we may not be glorifying God, even if we worship every Sunday. 
I would like to pull Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 uh, for this point. That passage teaches this principle, and furthermore, it teaches us uh, in relation with worship. Uh, so let me, let me read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 first. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What Apostle Paul basically says here is that you have to do God's will. And that is your spiritual worship. In other words, again, you have to do the work that God commanded you to do. And that is your spiritual worship. So Apostle Paul elevates our doing good works as our worship. But it is interesting to uh, study the word worship here. The word is different from the, the word that uh, we uh, usually use for worship in the Bible. That is proskuneo. Proskuneo means, in Greek, proskuneo means is, you know, prostrating ourselves before God, like, you know, bow down kneel down before him. But here, the word used for worship is latriuo, is serving, is rendering service, doing works to serve God. Jesus uh, differentiated these two words in one verse as he was uh, replying to the Satan who seduced, let me try to, you know, uh, distract him in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4, verse 10 says, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God. Worship here the proskuneo, worship the Lord your God. And him only shall you serve. This serve, not you all. But this word, uh, the English Standard Version, translated in, uh, into worship in Romans chapter 12, verse, verses one, to, uh, 1 and 2. So, what I'm trying to say is that Apostle Paul elevates God's people doing the work that God commanded them to do to worship, the spiritual worship. So when we compare these two worships to words, we can find some different differences. First, proskuneo, our worship, is a corporate worship among ourselves. Among ourselves, 
we worship corporately. So, so unity and togetherness is very important for the worship. But the second worship that Apostle Paul used here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, is our life, our everyday life. It's not corporate thing. I mean, it, it can be corporate thing too. As we go and do, we can do corporately, but not necessarily. Each and every one of us Everyday life should be that spiritual worship. Our sleeping, our talking, our saying, our you know, making friends, our hanging out with friends, our marriage, our working, our whatever should be, should be the spiritual worship. That's the difference. That's the difference from the worship that we usually say. So we have talked about the two ways to glorify God. One, our corporate worship. And the other, uh, our spiritual worship. First Kune O and Rachiru O. And what is the relation between the two. I think, you know, I think this is a really uh, important topic that uh, we need to think about. Let's read Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 18 to get the idea of the relation between the two. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 18. As I read this verse first, I was very surprised. Oh, in the Bible, something like this is there. You shall not bring the fee of a prostitute or the wages of a dog into the house of the Lord your God in payment for any vow. For both of these are an abomination to the Lord your God. Here, I take the fee of a prostitute or the wages of a dog, the reflection of the life of the person. That's what he does or what she does in his life or her life. And bringing, bringing them to the house of the Lord your God in payment for any bow is worship. That represents worship, I believe. So you live like a dog. You live like a prostitute. And you gather money from them, from that ugly life. And you worship God on Sundays. What, what does God say about that? Both of these are an abomination to the Lord. Abomination, disgusting thing. It cannot be swallowed by God. We cannot, it cannot be accepted by God. 
This is abominable. It is disgusting to the Lord. So that verse gives us the idea of the relation of the two ways we glorify God. Our worship, first kuneo, and our you know, everyday life, latruo. So our everyday life has to be glorifying God also. So that our corporate worship can be glorifying God. Without our life, everyday life, glorifying God, our corporate worship cannot be glorifying God. That's what Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 18 says. This is not uh, the only scripture that talks about it. But Isaiah chapter 1 really empirically talks about this. Chapter 1, verses 13 and 16 and 17. Bring me more, I bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. They assembled to worship God, but God is saying that, don't do it, please. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. In other words, do good works that I command you. Before you do that, don't come to me to worship. I will not accept that kind of worship. That's very serious. That's what many Old Testament people failed, even in Jesus' days. That's why I think Jesus had to teach that principle again and again and by that teaching, the Pharisees were offended and tried to kill him and finally killed him. And Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, Jesus said this to them, Go and learn what this means. Very simple. What this means? I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Here, mercy represents our everyday life, our complying to God's will, our obedience to Him, and also sacrifice represents our worship, offering. God desires mercy and not sacrifice. So without our lives, righteous and obedient to the word of God, our worship also can just be an 
iniquity and solemn assembly. And also that can be just an abomination to God. Just like the offering of the fee of a prostitute and the wages of a doctor. So these two ways, about these ways, we are talking about the relation between the two ways, proskuneo and latrio, our corporate worship, our everyday life. One cannot stand without the other. It's not a matter of priority between the two. Some may say that, but obviously the Bible says you know, there's no priority between them, but they have to be one. They have to be done together at the same time. So our glorification of God should be holistic, not only on Sundays in the worship service, but also in our everyday lives. It has to be so holistic, without any poor, without any vacant. It has to be full. That's, that's how we have to glorify God. I thought about the key that connects these two together as one. I think that is obedience. Our obedience. Our obedience to the Lord is connected these two weld very firmly inseparable. So if we obey our Lord Jesus Christ, we will maintain our unity because the Lord commanded us to be unified by love. And we will also, if we obey our Lord Jesus Christ, we will live according to God's will and His will, and our life will be uh, pleasing to God as the spiritual worship, as uh, Apostle Paul said. So this holistic glorification of God is our pursuit always. We are doing well. I'm proud of our church. But especially, we try to do more in 2021 through going and doing. That's huge. That's huge thing that we do and will do. So how we glorify God? both our worship and our everyday lives. So we understand we can't glorify God as we should as God's people without any of these two things. We have to do both holistically, consistently. 
So our going and doing is one thing that we have to do for us to glorify God also as it is a legit within our Christian lives to meet our community and to meet the needs of our community to serve them as Jesus served us. Finally, the thing I would like to uh, talk about lastly is the first and foremost thing that glorifies God. It is to become God's children. Without it, everything is in vain. We first have to become God's children. How? We have to listen to the gospel and we have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And what he preached to us is the truth of God. And we have to do what he commanded us to do for us to be his, uh, God's child. Like we have to wash our sins through baptism in Jesus' name because he shed the blood for us to be washed from the sins. So we have to take advantage of the blood, that precious blood. And we have to be born again by the spirit that Jesus showed us and exemplified us to us and gave us. So that is the way that we can be God's children. Tonight. So tonight, uh, I want all of us uh, to understand how we have to glorify God, even in our everyday lives. And also, uh, tonight, I would like to invite anyone in this uh, here to come before God to take advantage of the precious blood of Jesus Christ to be born again as the child of God. Oh, 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 oh.